morning, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Sending you lots of love. I know you can't speak back, which is awesome. My favorite way. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, sending you lots of kisses. Um, when Rowan sent out a little um, flyer, she basically sent a list of things to talk about. And I thought I'd speak about Rahab and the spies um, as a little nod to Valentine's Day. Um, my talk is completely different than what I thought I was going to speak on. So that's probably a good thing. Anyway, here goes. Uh, you're going to have to hang on tight in the middle bit. We'll go slowly, uh, but we'll do that when we come to it. So we've been doing a theme of keeping on trusting in a difficult time. Um, and in this theme, I thought Rahab, it seems to be an unlikely candidate that we'd use uh, as an example of faith. Uh, and certainly somebody who makes it into a very prestigious list of heroes that we see in Hebrews who are recorded by name. So we're told at the start of Hebrews uh, that the faith that Rahab and the ancients had, uh, they're commended for a faith which is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And in verse 31, we're told this, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. At first glance, I'm not so sure this would meet our criteria or my criteria for inclusion in this list of heroes. This woman, Rahab the prostitute, was a bit like that member of her family uh, in the family tree that we maybe prefer not to talk about or maybe push aside or uh, keep undercover. What's interesting is that Rahab the prostitute gets her full title, Rahab the prostitute, even in the New Testament. Um, this bad girl of the Bible is included here for a reason, in this list for a reason. God deliberately doesn't sanitize this list in the New Testament. <clears throat> Excuse me. As the story unfolds, we see Rahab, you're going to hate this because it's cheesy, relocated from the house of shame to this Hebrews hall of fame. So Hannah, I'm going to let you read that passage and then I'll, I'll do my talk. Thanks, Laura. So we're in Joshua and chapter two. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she'd taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, 
Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when he left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Gog, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we've taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Oh, thank you, Hannah. Fab. Well, it saves me a lot of uh, uh, extra word quota. Thank you. Jenny will appreciate that. So um, just to set the scene, really, for the story, a um, uh, couple of facts, really, about Rahab and where she lived. So Rahab probably had the lowest occupation in the lowest city on earth. Uh, interestingly, Jericho sits at 863 feet below sea level. I didn't know that. So perhaps that's indicative of its low level of morality as well as its uh, situation. It was a pagan city full of decadence, uh, idol worship and subsequent degradation. Secondly, Rahab had absolutely no social standing whatsoever and was probably ostracised by her community. She had absolutely no power to change her life and circumstances. And she lives in a house within the city walls. 
And I'm sure it was a little bit like being in a prison cell. So what can we learn from Rahab in this record of events? I've done a traditional Presbyterian style three-point sermon. See if you can find the three points. <laughs> the first thing, Rahab shows immense courage and composure in a time of crisis. A little bit like ourselves, really, in this current crisis. I've done a little bit of a narrative in the first point, so a little bit of a story. So we read that these two undercover spies turn up at her doorway unannounced, uninvited, and certainly unbidden. She had heard about the Israelites and their God and heard stories about uh, his deliverance and their conquests. And as the encounter unfolds, it seems that God has also been here already with Rahab, unannounced, uninvited, and certainly unbidden. Isaiah and Romans tell us, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. Suddenly, these two Israelite men are at her door. We can be really sure that Rahab was accustomed to welcoming storytelling strangers and talkative travellers into her home. But there was something very different about these men who I imagine seemed to be suspiciously more tight-lipped than anybody she'd seen in quite some time. We can see that Rahab exercises discernment here and is able to make a distinction between the unboundaried men that she had previously been associated with and these God-boundaried men who she would soon be assigned with. It's absolutely amazing that Rahab and the spies are able to come to any agreement and put their trust in each other. She has already hidden them on the roof, which serves to give them confidence for a deeper agreement once the king's men are thrown off track. We see the hand of God at work here through Rahab. Number one, hiding the spies, giving them all the military information and intelligence they need to go back to Joshua, and also a rescue plan to get them home. Amazing. Rahab recognized this moment. It was a threshold moment. The spies arrive at her door. This is the living God breaking into her home and her life. In an instant, she weighs up the cost. She recognized this day as a day of her salvation and risked absolutely everything, including her life, to save herself and her family. She hides the spies on the roof and courageously holds her nerve whilst the king's men interrogate her at the door. This act of covering their tracks, coupled with her amazing declaration, which we'll look at in a second, gives the spies confidence to make the terms of their agreement, our lives for your life. And they insist on absolute adhesion to the agreed terms. The deal is sealed when she, it's <laughs> a lot of dealing and sealing there. The deal is sealed when she ties the scarlet cord that they give her in the window this sure sign of their agreement. This sure sign is God's way of telling us that it's not by her deeds that she's saved. The sure sign is the only thing that saves her life. A note here, it's not gonna cut the mustard if Rahab goes running out of her house going, stop, stop, it's me, Rahab. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done? The only thing that saves Rahab's life 
this is your sign. If she forgets to tie the scarlet cord in the window, the deal is off. If she steps over the threshold, the deal is off. It's only by remaining behind this sure sign that she and her family are saved. So Rahab goes on to cover them with strands of flax and flax uh, and waits for nightfall. It's likely that the flax, which we make linen from, symbolizes the righteous acts of the saints. And this is mentioned in Revelation 19.8. And in James 2.17, we read, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And later on, we're told a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodgings to the spies and sent them off on a different direction. We see here Rahab's faith and action working together as mentioned in the verses above. What follows then is a period of extremely tense waiting. Rahab tells the spies to hide out in the caves in the hills for three days. I think, and some say, the mention of three days is significant. Perhaps a picture of Christ in the tomb before his resurrection. Rahab has to wait and patiently endure before her resurrection day and her new life begins. Are we all okay? <laughs> Second point. She makes a clear, Rahab makes a clear confession of what she's been convinced of. If you've already spotted all the C's, that way or that way, well done. So she makes a clear confession of what she's been convinced of. We're going to take a look at Rahab's confession of faith. And this is the key thing. This is a key thing to all that I'm talking about today, really. Her confession of faith is good enough to convince these spies. Um, it's a perfect example of God's word at its best. And Isaiah 55, 11, uh, God tells us, my word that goes out from my mouth will not return to be empty, but will accomplish what I desire and the purpose for, what, for which I send it. So Rahab's confession of faith is amazing. We're going to take a look at that in a second. I think even a hardcore Israelite would have been really happy with it. And couldn't really do much better. We can see here in the book of Joshua, and we're going to have to think here for a minute, what's called a concentric structure to her declaration of faith, which focuses the reader, you and me, on the main event in the centre. This concentric structure, our circle diagram, will help us to see that in a minute, draws our attention from the outside inwards, and we see what's called mirrored or paired sentences in the outer frame of her confession, bringing us and drawing us into the center, which is the key. So we're going to do our concentric circles little exercise. So you should have, hopefully, if you've been very good pupils, I condescending, a paper with three concentric circles on it. Now, before we, we're gonna fill this in, uh, quick, couple of points you don't need to write all the detail it's probably worth putting down the verses uh, just as a little kind of reference for yourself and 
And don't panic because it could be a little bit messy. <laughs> I've asked Hannah to put up a model thing at about point two. So don't panic because you'll be able to see. Not yet, Hannah. Not yet, Hannah. <laughs> so I'll ask Hannah to put that up in a second. So we'll do a little bit of head work first on this. Okay, so, so don't panic. We'll tidy this up in a minute. If you don't get it right, don't panic. Uh, we'll just look at the, the, the one that we have, the model that we have. So let me read uh, Rachel's Confession of Faith, okay? So before the spy, spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shion and Og, Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan. When we heard of it, our hearts sank and everybody's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So we're going, you're going, not me, please have a go at writing in a couple of things in that concentric circles frame. I'll go slowly. Rahab's first personal confession forms the outer frame. So in the outside circle, the biggest circle, don't write this yet, she makes an I know statement of two halves. One at the beginning of her confession and one at the end. In verse nine, she says, I know the Lord has given this land to you. So we can pop that in at the top of the first biggest frame at the top. Give me a thumbs up if that makes sense. <laughs> so she writes, I know the Lord has given this land to you. Top of the biggest frame. Put in a bracket, verse nine. You can go back and check it later. The second I know statement that mirrors this is in 11b, verse 11b. The Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. We can write that in the bottom half of the large circle. If you've got your Bible, you can check it out. So in verse 11b, the Lord your God is God in heaven above and in the earth below. Are we okay with that? Brilliant. This is working better than I thought it ever would. <laughs> it's a few perplexed faces. Okay, Hannah, we can probably pop up the uh, model now to help really for the next bit. So the inner frame, which you'll see on the screen now, this frame in the center then, the, between the outside ring and the, and the very center or core, this offers the military intelligence that the spies report back to Joshua. Here, Rahab makes two when we heard statements that mirror each other and kind of look alike. The first uh, is in verse 9b, a great fear of you has fallen on us and all in this country are melting in fear. So you can copy the one on the screen if you want to do that. 
And in verse 11, uh, at the bottom, uh, and the far end of the statement, our heart, when we heard, our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed. We can pop that into the bottom of the inner frame. Hopefully we're okay and aren't lost. <laughs> and finally, in the centre and the focus of what God is saying and wants us to see in this declaration, the centre sums up the news about the Lord that caused both A, the Canaanites to fear, and B, Rahab to abandon the gods of Canaan and declare her faith in God is evidenced uh, in the centre. So the statement in the centre is, we have heard. Okay, Ho hopefully we're okay with that and we've kind of got there. If you haven't, don't worry, you can go back and have a look at the uh, uh, verse or the verses in uh, her declaration and fill it in. So if you just look at the one that's on the screen. Hannah, does that seem okay? We left enough time, great. So I'm just gonna right. explain how this kind of works now. So Rahab's confession of faith in the Lord and her accurate information about God's triumphs over powerful enemies is amazing. The concentric nature of her statement intentionally focuses us on the main event we have heard. God is telling us through Rahab that hearing is the most important thing. Interestingly, I believe the number one exhortation that Jesus gives in the Bible more than any other, in fact, 16 times is, he who has ears, let him hear. So Rahab's confession, when reduced to its core, reads something like, we have heard, when we heard, and now I know. So Rahab's faith began where all true faith begins, by hearing God's word. In Romans 10, we read this. He who believes in him will not be disappointed. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, including Rahab, who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. It goes on to say, how can they call on one in whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one in whom they have not heard? And further on, we're told faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Because she had heard, and because she believed, she was able to say, I know now, bear with me here and humour me on this a little bit. Um, we're going to use your concentric frame. If you pop it on something flat in front of you, take our small pebble, and that's going to represent our memorandums or memorials that we've talked about over the last few weeks. And we're going to just pop it or drop it onto the middle of that frame. So we're going to take a memorial stone, just from about four inches, drop it into the middle of that frame. I have this idea of God's renown or the works of God or the word of God spreading like ripples on a pond. In regard to Rahab, this living stone of remembrance of God's mighty acts on behalf of his people sends a ripple 
and a sound wave outwards. It first landed in the middle of the Red Sea and reached her ears from a distant shore, but now it has reached her home, the shores of the land of Canaan. So we know that Rahab had heard of the God of the Israelites, and when she heard, her fear turned into faith, and she believed. Her faith turned into action, causing her to confess her faith and rescue the spies. And that is the reason why our Rahab makes it into the Hebrews Hall of Fame. If we just flip that off now, Hannah, again, back onto normal screen, it's easier for me to talk to faces, I think. Hopefully I didn't lose you there too much. Was that okay? Okay. The same opportunity is available for us today. Have we heard from God's word? That's not just me today. Have we heard God speaking? Have we heard from God's word? And have we, sorry, we have the privilege of the whole testimony of all of the saints over all time. Has what we have heard turned our fear into faith? And has our faith turned into action? Have we declared what God has done for us? And better still, have we declared who he is? We have a story to tell, our memorial stones to reach the ears of people and those that we love around us. And finally, the last point, Rahab comes under the covenant protection and covenant cover of our covenant keeping God. We pick up the story again as the Israelites cross the Jordan and begin circling the city. As God has instructed very clearly, Joshua, Jericho goes into full lockdown. Not unlike ourselves. Jericho was tightly shut up. The verse says, no one went out and no one went in. It's not difficult to see the comparison with the situation we're in today. Can you imagine the tension as they wait for the assault on their walls? But nothing happens for six days. And on day seven, everything intensifies as the Israelites just keep on marching. No one would have imagined. No one would have imagined what happened next. Joshua has told the people, give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the people will go in, every man straight in. I'm going to do a little aside here because I felt God quicken this to me, this word. I felt the Holy Spirit connect me with this um, as a kind of rima word, a, a present word to people. When you see the walls come down, go straight in. And I felt God was maybe saying this to me, but maybe to others. When the COVID walls and the lockdown walls come down, they're going to be opportunities to go in and speak to people and communicate to people this is about god's this is about god's timing and god's leading what god doesn't say is push the walls down and take the city he says when the walls come down go straight in so we need to be looking and aware of what god is doing and his lead in communicating and talking and sharing with people okay back to the story can you imagine the chaos outside Rahab's closed door? There would have been shouts, trumpets, 
walls collapsing and people, frankly, dying. Everybody, including Rahab and her family, would have been terrified. But, and it's a big but, in placing the scarlet cord in the window, Rahab has identified herself with God's chosen people. It's place for Joshua and his men to see, and it speaks of the blood and sacrificial work of Jesus. Like the Israelites in Egypt, when God sends a plague on the firstborn, Rahab and her relatives might not have felt safe within the house, but the same promise remains. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. I will cover you. The sure sign, and we're nearly there, folks. You did really well. The sure sign that guaranteed and secured her safety was recognised in the heat of battle. It was unmissable and unmistakable. I think every soldier would have probably understood the significance of the symbol. When the battle subsides, the command then follows from Joshua, go in and bring her out. There are echoes here of Lazarus being called out of the tomb. The resurrected Rahab is brought forth. I'm sure, really sure, a few stones would have been rolled away from the pile of rubble that ought to have been Rahab's grave. She rises from the ruins to new resurrection life, a picture of first fruits, a perfect picture of the next miracle of God's grace, the calling forth of his church out of a godless Gentile world. This is a picture for us of God opening the door to the Gentiles. We read of this in Acts 14. So finally, Rahab had heard and believed, and now she has seen for herself. And now she really knows she has a new story to tell the next chapter in the mighty saving acts of God on behalf of his people. Rahab is safely gathered in to the people of God. She would come under their covenant blessings. We later find out that she lived with the Israelites, marries Salmon, who's probably one of the spies. Lovely little Valentine's thing there going on. And she knows God's continued provision and protection. And further to this, she also sees the promise of future blessing being fulfilled in her life. Astoundingly, we see Rahab the prostitute recorded in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1 verse 5. Astounding. When Matthew rolls out the lineage of Jesus in the first chapter of this gospel, we come to the phrase, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. In the words of our beloved Dennis, truly amazing stuff. So what do we really see here? We see that God is faithful to his word. He is faithful to keeping his covenant agreement with us and all, sorry, agreement with Rahab and by that same token with us. In conclusion, I've finished. A few questions came to mind in conclusion and finishing off. Have we heard 
and are we hearing? Are the stories of God's deliverance, his faithfulness, his goodness reaching our ears and the ears of those around us? Do the echoes or ripples of his word touch our lives and the lives of those where we live? And finally, are the people who live around us and with us able to say, we have heard. Amen.